Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Tonight is June 18th, 2013. Wow, so we have Laura Makey on from Women for Sobriety. And those of you who are new to the other options that are out there, I'd really like to help get people more informed about what they are. Women for Sobriety, Inc. is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping women overcome alcoholism and other addictions. It is, in fact, the first national self-help program for women alcoholics. Um, their new life program helps achieve sobriety and sustain ongoing recovery. WFS has been providing services to women since two, July of 1976. I was really shocked when I found that out. Uh, the WFS New Life Program grew out of one woman's search for sobriety. And uh, <clears throat> I want to do just a little plug for Gabrielle Glaser's book. She talks about uh, Jean Kirkpatrick in the book on page 109. The book is called Her Best Kept Secret by Gabrielle Glaser. We're going to have her on next week. But I'm going to bring on Laura Mickey, who's on the board for Women for Sobriety right now. Let me just get to my thing. And I think this is Laura here. Hello. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Monica? I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Hi. You're welcome. It's uh, my pleasure. Uh, you know, I um, I don't know if you know this, but I just you know plugged the book and I was reading are about we there? yeah. The, well, the part about uh, women for sobriety in Gabrielle Glaser's new book. Uh, there's some, you know, things about they talked about uh, the beginnings with Jean, you mm-hmm. know, going to AA and then, you know, it really not working for her and uh, that she felt it really didn't help women and then what she realized the difference, uh, you know, the key things in AA was that she was powerless over drinking and must relinquish her ego, um, actually fueled her insecurities. It says here. And so she created this program, but she didn't get uh, a lot of support, you know, in the community of um, treatment back then. Not really. Um, you know, she did a lot of outreach, 
outreach. Jean Kirkpatrick was very visible um, in mm-hmm. the recovery circles and addiction uh, t- treatment and research in the 80s and 90s in particular. Um, mm. You know, she traveled quite a bit and spoke at a lot of conferences. She testified before Congress about addiction issues. Mm-hmm. She was on all sorts of TV back then. You know, she was on Phil Donahue and the Today Show and Good oh, Morning really? America. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I mean, she did quite a bit of outreach, but, you know, the um, public memory is short. And since her death in 2000, the organization, you know, had kind of, I think I might have mentioned this before, you know, had a little bit of difficulty figuring out how it was going to continue without her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, whenever you have a single person who's really the key to an organization, a nonprofit especially as small as WFS is, right. um, it's very hard sometimes to even survive yeah, um, yeah. at the, the death of, of your founder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's only been within the last couple years that the organization really has kind of uh, refocused ourselves. We have a new mission statement um, from 2011 that's really allowing us to kind of move forward in carrying on Jean's message to a new century a new generation mm, can, can you of women. read that? Is it, is it a long statement? statement? Or can you read some sure. of it for us? Yeah, I'd love sure. to hear what it is. Uh-huh. So the uh, mission statement, the new mission statement for Women for Sobriety, says that we're an organization whose purpose is to help all women find their individual path to recovery through discovery of self gained by sharing experience and encouragement with other women in similar circumstances. We are an abstinence-based self-help program for women facing issues of alcohol or drug addiction. Our New Life program acknowledges the very special needs women have in recovery, especially the need to nurture feelings of self-value and self-worth and the desire to discard feelings of guilt, shame, and humiliation. WFS is unique in that it is an organization of women for women. We are not affiliated with any other recovery organization and stand on our own principles and philosophies. We recognize each woman's necessity for self-discovery, and we offer a variety of recovery tools to guide a woman in developing coping skills which focus on emotional growth, spiritual growth, self-esteem, and a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Our vision is to encourage all women in developing personal growth and continued abstinence. Nice. Uh, what are uh, what are some of the things that you're doing? Because I've noticed in the time that I've been looking you up, the, a new uh, website, and you have mm-hmm. links to you have a Facebook page, I would say, and then you have your books and everything. Do you have a chat room? Do you have online meetings? We do. Um, we have a very vibrant online community. Uh, WFS first got online, I think, in 1996. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a funny thing in our organization because Jean never really thought the internet would catch on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, you know, she she job, really yeah. wasn't she wasn't particularly supportive of WFS reaching out to women on, online uh, mm. in the last you know few few years of her life. Yeah. Um, but it's something that some of our members felt really strongly about, and mm-hmm. so. Um, and over the years, we were on AOL for a number of years. We had a site on MSN. And mm-hmm. then uh, about four years ago, we finally um, started our own site, a private domain, um, where we control registrations and we can provide a little bit more confidentiality and safety 
um, mm-hmm. as much as you can in an online environment. And we have uh, pushing maybe 9,000 members right now in our mm-hmm. online community. Wow, and and uh you know not everyone participates you know in general over the last 4 years about maybe one third of the women who are members actively participate post mm-hmm. and you know come on a regular basis and then we do have chat meetings um usually twice a day once in the morning US morning once in the US evening but we get women from all over the world who attend our chat meetings and who use our um online forum um I know women from all over the world who are online with us. Yeah, so it's so a is, great twenty-four-seven. Yeah. Right. So if you're out there listening, um, I'm talking to Laura Makey, and it's uh, womenforsobriety.org. And uh, at the top of the page, I went there and I looked into group info, and then I become a mo- moderator or uh, internet message forum forum and chat. Uh, and I'm asking because I'm really trying to help promote the other six free options. There are other ways, mm-hmm. including the Sinclair method, you know, for moderation. Oh, yeah. And there's other that I like to, but these I want to get to know them myself. So I'm sort of, as I talk about them, I know. So I've been going into the Smart 24/7 chat room just so uh-huh. I can become familiar. And their meetings fill up so fast. So what I think I'll do is I'll do a little, you know, a test run and I'll sign in and I'll mm-hmm. I'll try it out myself and um and see what it's like. So the other thing is becoming a moderator. Can you tell us uh how somebody becomes a moderator? Well, you know, different recovery organizations have different ways that they go about having people start meetings. Mm-hmm. Um and for Women for Sobriety, um, Jean insisted that in order to start a meeting, a woman needed to have a year of consistent sobriety. Mm-hmm. That in order to provide the stability that a new meeting that a meeting needs, and for new women to be able to come, they needed to have some assurance that there was someone organizing the meeting who knew the program and could explain the program well enough to new members. Um, that there was, we could be very consistent in how our message and how our program was presented to people. So right. that is is still a requirement. So you have to have a year of continuous sobriety, and then we have an application form that basically asks about your knowledge of WFS and how meetings should be run, you know, or what materials you've read of ours, and you know, just to give us some comfort. Right, and right. what you know about WFS and and uh, what your goals are for starting mm-hmm. a meeting. Um, and then those are reviewed at the office and, um, as far as I know, are rarely uh, declined. You know, I can't think of any in, – in my memory, I can't think of anybody who applied to be a moderator who, who didn't end up getting approved. Because right, right, usually right. by the time you get to that point, you know, you, you have um, – you want to give back, you know, to the community. Right, right. Uh, one of the reasons I'm asking so specifically now is we're working on um, my trailer from a documentary. And, oh, right. Um, the end of it is, I mean, I'm you know going to do a Kickstarter campaign, but is I was putting that these have trained leaders, and then I uh-huh. am finding that each of the six other free options, some don't, you know. And so I wanted to know what level of training, if you, you know what I mean. It was just sort mm-hmm. of like I had because I knew Smart had the uh, the training that I want to become more familiar and I would like other people out there to know 
you know, uh, their options and, um, and what's different about, you know, you and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So this is helpful, you know, for me to now, know. Now, I'm not and I think clear about what how SMART is doing things now. I know at one point um, to start their meetings, um, and I think they call them facilitators, yeah, meeting facilitators, yeah, facilitators, that, right. you know, there was a fee involved to get the materials in order to start a meeting. I'm not sure if that's still the case with them. Yeah, you um, it's a six-week training. You can you couldn't do it online before, but you can now. But there is oh, okay. a six-week so training process. And um, I do believe you don't have to necessarily be somebody who had an addiction or an alcohol no. problem, which I think is good because in some town you might have a therapist or a social worker who would actually like to create a meeting. And, and we we allow that as well at WFS. Oh, you do? So uh-huh. although although our standard meetings are peer-led, you know, by mm-hmm. a woman who with, with a year sobriety or more, um, we do allow professionals to provide women for sobriety meetings for their clients. And we have materials pre, um, not only for professionals but also for um, inpatient and outpatient treatment centers that want to adopt our program. There are a number mm-hmm. of... Uh, treatment mm-hmm. centers within the United States and, and other parts of the world that actually use WFS program with their uh, with their clients. Um, and so if a professional wanted to start a WFS meeting, um, that would is certainly something that we um, would allow. Oh, that that's great. Now, yeah. I know that we talked a little bit at the tail end of the last uh, interview with you that you're making some progress with uh, people who get a DUI, and I wanted to know if you've done any outreach to lawyers because they're really the culprits in uh, forcing AA on people because I can't imagine that these guys are not conscious. There's six other options. But can you talk about uh, some of the growth you're making in that area? You know, I can only speak about what we've done here in San Diego because I have been involved in that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, tell us about that. And we Mm -hmm. have worked primarily with um, drug court. Mm-hmm. and um, with getting uh, Women for Sobriety on the list of approved meetings. you know, And it varies by the type of DUI and that sort of thing, but at the very first level, here in Southern California at least, um, one of the things that you're often sentenced to with a DUI mm-hmm. is having to go to three meetings over the course of three months. And I th- again, I think this is the very kind of intro level of first-time offender sort of thing. Right. So, so Women for Sobriety has been approved in San Diego County for mm-hmm. for, and we're on the list of approved meetings. So, along yeah. with with AA and the other options, you know, Women for Sobriety is is on the list. Um, how did so you we get, get that? Called, did you, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but how did that happen? How did that come about for you? Did you go um, and make we, it happen? Or? <laughs> yeah, we um, started uh, looking into, you know, who does that, you know, mm-hmm. and and found, you know, that there's a couple of programs that, you know, the county subcontracts that the drug court kind of thing mm-hmm. to other providers. So we had to actually find out who the providers were who mm-hmm. are the ones that basically, when you get a DUI, you get kind of, you know, shuttled off to, you know, one of these service providers that provides yeah. the drug court services and that sort of thing. And then we had to let them know, you know, who we were and um, mm-hmm. and what we had to offer. Um, and um, and it was actually not that not that challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I know that's not the case everywhere. Um, yeah. I, um, 
How do I you know, know? A, I mean, someone have tried to do it because you're all over the well, country. Well, I know, so, I know yeah. a woman. I know a woman who's a lawyer in the Chicago area, and she actually uh, works on some DUI cases. And and there, in particular, um, they are not open to non uh, AA meetings. That you know, they just have not been able to get approval for any sort of alternative. Mm. So if anyone is uh, remanded to meetings, AA is their only choice. Um, in Chicagoland, as far as I'm aware. I wonder if that's one of the states. I mean, I know 25 states has already been deemed highly religious, AA, and so they can't yeah. really do that. I'm not sure if Chicago is in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, not sure what, yeah. what the situation one, is. I'll but it would ask, be those hmm. states are the ones that where we have the best chance, obviously, of getting official recognition, of being um, able to sign off on the court paperwork and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am talking to Laura Makey from Women for Sobriety. Uh, the other thing that I thought was great, and this is really, I mean, I had reached out to your organization a while back, but then didn't follow up until I saw you on Huff Live, which I thought mm-hmm. was so refreshing. So how did that come about, and are you actively trying to get more presence in our media? We have been the last six months or so especially, uh, you know, we do get a lot of inquiries. For, you do? Uh-huh. We, we do. I mean, uh, quite regularly, we, you know, we'll get inquiries. But a lot of times they are not necessarily um, things that we are interested in pursuing because yeah. we do keep ourselves separate, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we, we do not um, want to be affiliated um, with um, other programs in – how to put this, you know, we, we don't, we need to maintain our separate identity, mm-hmm. that in some, some things are not appropriate for us, you know, can and you an exa- that's... Can you give me an example of maybe something um, that isn't appropriate? Well, um, if someone wanted us to participate in a, in what is otherwise a 12-step um, discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, so yeah, for example, totally. I, you know, we, we, we are, we would not be interested in debating yeah, mm-hmm. 12 step versus wfs i'll debate you know that that we represent ourselves we'll talk about ourselves but, oh, but yeah. and, and and on the huff post interview i think you kind of saw some of that mm-hmm. that i i had to try very hard to maintain my position and not get involved in what some of the other uh panelists we're discussing because that's just not the kind of organization we are. Yeah, well, um, it was really refreshing. I got to tell you, Laura, it was it was a great interview, and it was great because it followed the one previous a couple weeks prior, and I thought the one mm-hmm. that you were on was much better. I think it's important for it to get out there. Um, have you gone to uh, colleges? Have you reached out to colleges? Um, personally, San Diego? I I do here in in San Diego. I have. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we don't have as much. Um, nationwide oh, uh-huh. coverage. You know, a lot of times it's individual moderators in individual cities who right. focus on outreach in their local area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's only been, and again, I think I mentioned this last time we, we talked, you know, without having a public uh, persona, a public voice for right. the organization for for so long, um, we really did miss out on on a lot of opportunities in in the early part of 
the 21st century, um, mm-hmm. to keep to keep the presence, to keep the visibility of women for sobriety up there, like it was, say, in the late 80s or early 90s, um, before Jean, uh, her health started um, taking a toll on her ability to travel and that sort of thing. I see. Um, but you know, other things that you know, sometimes we're uh, approached about being involved in things that require an outlay of money. Mm-hmm. And, again, you know, there are some great opportunities for getting our name out there, but we are a nonprofit in the most basic sense of the word. <laughs> so, Do you, you know, not qualify for money from the federal government? It looks like, uh, I mean, there's a lot of money out there as a nonprofit. There is. Are there grants for we, you? There are some grants available. However, we also are constrained by um, our charter in terms of the kinds mm. of money we can take. Right. And so one one time money, you know, so a let's say a ten thousand dollar grant for something is great, yeah. but it's one time money, yeah. and you can't build an organization on that kind of one time grant right. thing. So so we do look for ongoing funding, ish, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to one shot. Kind of funding, and that and that limits us. I mean, that we are understand that that does limit us. Um, you in have terms, a, a, okay. Oh, sorry. Go um, ahead. I was, I'm no, I just said just in like... terms of the kinds of funding that that we look for and that we're that we're willing to um, link ourselves into. Okay, so here we have a donate button. I was looking for uh-huh. it on your website, and there's a place there as I uh, that I went for it. So you can go on there and donate if anybody mm-hmm. is interested in doing that. I want to the new life acceptance program. So this is the di- the big difference. And uh, would you like to read it for us? And I think it's important if someone's listening, they're unhappy with AA, they're maybe uh, want to try something different. The would you statement? like to read it? Or you want the new life acceptance? Like this looks like it's thirteen points. So you I have okay. it. I have it so in front the, of me. If you don't have it in front of me, no, do I, I do. Actually, okay, I, I don't need them myself, but I. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, do you want to read them for us? So, so these so are the, the thirteen points. Mm-hmm. There are thirteen statements, um, and actually, I'm going to present them um, in a slightly different way. Okay. Um, we, um, Jean, later on in the 1990s, Jean uh, provided an alternative way of looking at the thirteen statements. That rather than okay. the numerical way that you know they had been presented, she mm-hmm. grouped them into what she called levels where the similar statements, statements that dealt with similar um, challenges or similar areas of growth, um, she grouped them together. Okay. So the first level is um, acceptance of your problem, and that is our, I have a life-threatening problem that once had me. I now take charge of my life and my disease. I accept the responsibility. Mm-hmm. L- level two is dealing with negative thoughts. So there are three statements um, that are associated with level two. That would be negative thoughts destroy only myself, problems bother me only to the degree I permit them to, and the past is gone forever. So those are the statements that we work on to try to remove negativity from ourselves, from our dealings with other people, and our negativity about our past. Mm -hmm. The third level is about new thinking about how to change our actual thoughts, the cognitive part of our program. So 
So that is, I am what I think. And Jean often said that that is really the only statement you need, that that's the mm-hmm. core of our program is, mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. what I think, that I create mm-hmm. my own reality. Mm-hmm. And the other statement in here is, I am a competent woman and have much to give life. Mm-hmm. So that helps with creating and practicing a new self-image. The next set of statements is about new attitudes, so trying to approach life in it with new attitudes to reinforce these new behaviors that you are implementing in your life. These include happiness is a habit I will develop, life can be ordinary or it can be great, and enthusiasm is my daily exercise. So mm-hmm. these are ways of, of changing your attitude and approaching life in, in a new way. Next we have uh, what are sometimes called the love statements, but the Jean called it relationships. Um, and these are love can change the course of my world and all love given returns. So about how we interact with people um, in our lives and how we treat ourselves as well is very important um, right. to include our relationship with ourselves um, in this situation. And then finally, uh, the level six is about the over, overarching priorities of life. So the fundamental object of life is emotional and spiritual growth, and I am responsible for myself and my actions. So those are the 13 statements kind of grouped together in six categories, if you will, that mm-hmm. show you know kind of the progression of um, how a woman may typically um, find herself growing in sobriety if she used um, the new life program. Now, I think if I remember correctly in your story, is that you? Uh, this is where you found abstinence. You did not go to twelve step. Is that right? No, I have been to a handful of uh, AA meetings in my life. Starting back mm-hmm. in college, I had a boyfriend who was in recovery, so I went mm-hmm. to a meeting or two with him. Mm-hmm. I've been to maybe three or four meetings for myself over the last six years, right. um, but I have never been more than a back-of-the-room kind of person. <laughs> you know, I right. never had a sponsor. I never, you know, I really, I don't know the 12 steps. No, no, um, I, don't, I don't need you that to. Program. I just, yeah, you know, no, no, so, so that's kind of where I'm at. Is is I am my knowledge of AA is very superficial. Yeah, that's fine. Now, uh, my question is about the disease aspect because mm-hmm. as of somebody that you know was, I kind of didn't really believe it when I was in AA. But that do you think that this is a leftover uh, belief from the time that she created this, calling it still a disease? Um, I or don't not? Think, How, what do you think? I don't. I don't think so. You know, the there is when we think about the disease model, the medical model for addiction um, these days, it really is not the same medical model that was being used in the 50s, 60s, 70s. The new medical model, you know, is much more about um, neurotransmitters and what happens in the brain, and it's it's a disease of chemical imbalances and processing. If you know so so our our understanding of how addiction affects the body is much different than it was um 40 years ago. Right, right. So, but my my understanding is that it's the behavior that it isn't it's not certainly not a brain disease. It's not. I mean, it's it, drinking alcohol 
isn't i mean you could uh, fry your brain by drinking you know lethal amounts of alcohol mm-hmm. on a daily basis but my brain uh, from my understanding is not any different or you know someone else who cuz coming in is any different from anybody else's well except that when you are in an active addiction your your brain is used to getting flooded with those chemicals uh, that's right, but once you stop, it, it heals itself. Over time. And, yeah, yes. it, it, it heals itself. So, so, uh, I, mm-hmm. so I was going to say, you know, um, and I think we, meant, we talked about this the last time, is that, you know, I don't consider myself an alcoholic because I don't drink. Yeah, that's right. And so, you don't label yourself there no. either, right? No, right, not at all. I, but, I think that's, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But But so, you know, the... In order to be an alcoholic, you have to be dependent on alcohol, and gee, I haven't had alcohol in years, so obviously I am not dependent on it, so I must, you know, ipso facto, I must not be an alcoholic. And it's kind of the same way with the disease aspect, is that, you know, I am in recovery. You know, you might say I'm in remission um, from the disease process. Um, If I were to start drinking again, I would slip back into my disease and the physical and mental um, impact of drinking would very quickly escalate to where it was before. But how do you know that? Just based on based on what I have seen happen with other people. That There's I, a lot I, of I'll people that have a lot my, of... That's my expectation well, for myself. I'm not saying that's for everybody else. But for myself, that's why I chose abstinence, is that um, there's no question with abstinence. Did you try to, uh, you know, have control or moderate in in your own, without using these such cliched words, did you actually try that and were not successful? The last six months, probably, that I was drinking, um, I was using the WFS program and learning new skills, Mm-hmm. Um, but I was desperate to not actually quit, mm-hmm. and so I tried very hard to uh, moderate my drinking, and I actually tried to use the official, you know, moderation management program as well, right. um, and just, you know, found that actually one of the things that came out of that for me was it really proved to me that I couldn't moderate, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that it just... That that it was not an option for me. Um, not that it's not an option for other people, but for me, um, I needed an abstinence-based lifestyle. The thing that I have really changed, this is, you know, after leaving AA, um, that I think, you know, it's, you know, making fun of, I think, the big book, and it said, you know, we're a group of people who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless you know, malady, and it's 1930s language, but they mm-hmm. said recovered because for them back then they had stopped, which meant they recovered, and they were not in recovery. Recovery is a word that has been coined by the rehab, and this is my opinion, you know, is that it's been coined by the recovery movement and by the billion-dollar industry that mm-hmm. you and I are not involved in. And I feel, for me, I remember at like four years or something, I felt recovered. I felt <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And I felt done, and I was, but I was in AA, so I was, you know, severely brainwashed. But I, I do think that the next movement that I would like to see happen 
is that there is this movement for I'm recovered. Like you said, you're not an alcoholic because mm-hmm. you don't drink. Now I think that, and I'm get, not just thinking this, but I am talking to a lot of people who, after many years of abstinence, are successfully drinking moderately. And I had on Claudia Christian who mm-hmm. never never wanted abstinence and actually was right. a very very heavy drinker. Um, used the Sinclair method, Sinclair method. and no, Nextrexon, yeah, and mm-hmm. and is doing incredible with moderation. So did you ever try using naltrexone? Actually, but not um, with the Sinclair method. I used it mm-hmm. solely for uh, craving control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, with the Sinclair method, you know, you take it when you drink. One hour before. Um, yeah, one hour yeah, before you drink. You know, mm-hmm. and, so, um, and so I did not use it in that way. I used it as a prophylactically for um, craving control. Mm-hmm. And how did it work for you? I Lou? thought it was great. Um, mm-hmm. It really kind of gave me the space between um, what, what had been more of a white-knuckle kind of control yeah. to a place where I felt like I could breathe and learn some skills and implement some skills, and I felt a little safer from mm-hmm. my cravings. Yeah. Um, and so it, it worked very well for me. Um, I want to point you um, to an article that Jean wrote in 1995 that's on our website. It's called Sobriety or Recovery, and it talks about the difference between those two ideas. So okay. if you go we... to our website, there's a. it says um, under New Life Program, it says Articles by Jean. Okay. And right, it's the one now. called Sobriety or Recovery. And in it, she basically talks about how sobriety is abstinence. You know, you stop mm-hmm. drinking, you're mm-hmm. sober. Mm-hmm. But recovery is making all those changes to your life so that you aren't just sober, so that you are happy, so that you are satisfied and have goals, mm-hmm. that you are mm-hmm. growing towards something. So the the recovery is that process that where you build a new life. And right. Right, sobriety right. Well, is just not drinking. Well, she's also with a PhD. I mean, she's highly educated. I was reading in um, Gabrielle's book about, you know, that she was, uh, let me see here, it talks about her. Well, you probably know, but I mean, it, it says mm-hmm. that she uh, got prestigious fellowships. Yes, and, actually, um, that's what made her, that's actually what made her go out, go back drinking, was getting that fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> she had She had about three years sobriety and was working on her Ph.D., and was awarded um, this uh, fellowship. She was the first woman to be um, awarded this fellowship at, I think, the University of Pennsylvania and was so overwhelmed by the pressure that she went back out and drank for another 16 years. And it was then, after that period, where she... Um, went back to AA. You know, she had gotten sober with AA um, originally in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And so when she, in the 19, early 1970s, when she was ready to try to get sober again, was when she went back to AA and found that it just was no longer working for her. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, that she had been um, affected by her education and the women's movement and right. everything that was happening um, in that period that, you know, brought about this need, what she saw as 
um, a need for an alternative, um, especially for women yeah. at that I time. Mean, I, I think although that, it, you know, for where I'm at now, it isn't necessarily the thing for me, but I do think that it's a huge improvement on AA and that uh, back in the 70s when I certainly could see that um, AA had nothing for me after I had done the 12 steps, you know, through and through and read the book cover to cover and became Miss AA, that even though I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a place that I would go to now, you know what I mean, because of the different reasons of the disease, some of the things we're talking about, but I do think it's a lot better than AA. And I think that it's safer. I think that there's empowering um, aspects to it. So if somebody wants to be completely abstinent, and uh, they don't want to get, you know, hit on by a bunch of criminal guys, in, you know, that are being sentenced to AA, that this is another choice. Now, how did you, you said over the last two years, how many are on the board and, and how did it kind of get back, you know, going again after it was, you know, the program itself, Women for Sobriety? Well, you know, we Women for Sobriety has always, you know, had continued to exist, but again, just trying to um, re- recover and reorganize um, after the loss of Jean um, was, you know, challenging. Um, mm-hmm. I came onto the board in uh, 2010, so I've mm-hmm. been on the board for th- um, three, almost four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can only really speak about the changes that have come during that time. Um, and again, just um, being more open to change, um, adopting more uh, modern communication. So you yeah. had mentioned our Facebook page. You know, we right. had had a, a monthly newsletter for 30 years um, that we um, have uh, turned into an online uh, newsletter instead of printed, and you know, mm-hmm. so those sorts of those sorts of things. Um, and also then um, trying to um, figure out where our time is best spent in outreach. Um, because obviously, you know, you had talked about reaching the lawyers for mm-hmm. um, for DUIs, you know, reaching mm-hmm. the medical community, reaching counselors and psychologists and, and primary care doctors, um, the people who are involved in um, the kind of front line of identifying people and the people that um, others talk to about their problems um, yeah, is, think, is really yeah. is really where you know the the biggest bang for your buck comes from. Um, so the have you ever spoken at the, uh, the you know, the, the giant convention, and there was one in Anaheim, I think, two years ago, and I couldn't go. It's for drug court professionals. No, have you ever that gone one there I have not. Booth? No, See, you know, that one, one I have not been involved in. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I know that the six of the three options, not everybody, you know, agrees with each thing, and I, I don't think there's too much infighting, but if there was a group of us from, and I'm not in any of them really, right, uh, that came together that really focused on, one, the drug courts, which you're doing and Smart's done and doing, um, lawyers, this is what AA did, and just replicate what they did. And I know what they did. I was in it a long time, but I was a very active member. So we need speakers to speak to therapists, 
and mm-hmm. to social workers. We need speak people to go and talk to probation officers, which uh, we need people to talk to lawyers and uh, to judges um, and to say, uh, you know, when you see a young little thing, you can't send her to AA. You know, you need to send her to SMART or to WFS, or maybe she wants to do moderation. But uh, they, there are these, you know, there's conventions for them, and I'm really trying to think, you know, outside the box or in the same box that, how did AA grow? How did they grow it? And, you know, if we were to have a booth at the next big lawyers' convention that takes place in Las Vegas, and I man mm-hmm. the booth, you know, with, and we turn it over, you know, a group of us share mm-hmm. the time, and yet somebody from, I had your literature, I have smart literature, I have, you know, Naltrexon and Sinclair literature, I have SOS literature, I have harm reduction, I have moderation management, if I'm forgetting SOS literature. And they come, <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. The other choices. <laughs> this is what AA did. They took me at 22 years old and stuck me in a booth. I was a beautiful 21-year-old. They knew exactly what they were doing. And um, so uh, I'm not the 21-year-old anymore, but <laughs> you get my point. <laughs> that it would. That this is the kind of things that I think... Um, Regardless, that I know, I know with all my heart, uh, Laura, that these six other free options are better than AA now because they're so AA so dangerous, and that if we could come to and the other idea was to go to the Writers Guild and have a talk and a panel from all, everybody from the six options and say, guys, start writing it into the storyline. Let's change mm-hmm. the freaking story. Because it's not the days of wine and roses anymore. That's not what AA looks like. You know? Hmm. And to get it into our culture, this is what has to happen. That's why I was so excited to see you all on Huffington Post Live. And Well, there are, you know, the organizations do work together. You know, SMART in particular is very active in trying to get um, Women for Sobriety, SOS, Life Ring, Moderation Management, to get us to working together to raise mm-hmm. our profile. Mm-hmm. And so that is, um, you know, we have done some things together. Um, we have brochures um, for EAP programs mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. highlight, you know, these alternatives. You know, right. And, again, EAP is the kind of thing, kind of like drug court, it gets farmed out. You know, That's and so right. there are these, right. there are these big program. organizations mm-hmm. that kind of manage EAP programs, employee assistant programs, so right. that when you know you call the 800 number that your um, company gives you for employee assistance, you're not actually talking to somebody in your company; you're talking to some EAP provider. And yeah. so, getting us in with the providers again—that's that you know focusing on kind of top down. Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure that their um, options are presented to people, right. um, so that so that they find out about them when um, when they need them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you you want to take a call or do you? Uh, Wait. Sure. We can take a call. Wa- let's see if somebody wants to call in and ask a question. Uh, we are talking to Women for Sobriety, and this is Laura Makey. And she is on the board of Women for Sobriety, 
We have a lot of people in the chat room. There's, I don't know, 15, 16 people. The number to call in is 818-475-9211. Again, it's 818-475-9211. We're talking to uh, a board member. Uh, is that, that what I should call you? Is that your sure. proper? Yeah, board sure. member of uh, Women for Sobriety, which has been around for over 25 years. It's an abstinence-based women's, we call it a, lace, a support group. Women, mm-hmm. women support Mutual group. support group. Yes, and we have, uh, I, I think that the EAP, so did you try, how were the inroads with the employee assistance program for you? Um, I think it went very well. You know, we, um, again, uh, Smart Recovery kind of took the um, point on that in mm-hmm. um, preparing the materials, and then, you know, we all um, went in making, on our portions. Um, but the... Um, but I think it's it's been very positive, and we've gotten um, a lot of uh, positive feedback uh, from that. We also um, have been, I was at a SAMHSA conference uh, last mm-hmm. year on mm-hmm. uh, for women and, and girls' behavioral health. Yeah. Um, those sorts, that sort of outreach is yeah, also good. Very, mm-hmm. um, very good. We get a lot of good feedback um, mm-hmm. from that as well. Oh, that's so good. So Sam, yeah. I'm just going to say what that stands for for those who are listening. So it's Substance oh. Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a conference? Yeah, it was here in San Diego, actually, focused on uh, women and girls' behavioral health. And uh, was so I was uh, invited, and I spoke there as well about WFS. Mm, I'm just looking at this site. I know that some of the bloggers have actually brought me here. Uh, is this a government agency? Do you know? Is it a real government? Yeah, it is. Okay, it is. So this is a interesting, very interesting. I'm just on the site now. So S A M H S A. If if you're listening, SAMHSA and uh, hmm, that looks very, very. How big of a conference was this? There were probably 700 professionals. It Mm, was it was all you know. Yeah, probably 700. Yeah, that's a nice size. I was, it was great. Was yeah, that, yeah, it, that sounds. Uh, this is some of the. It was great like to, to be do. included. They do this. They do the women and girls uh, conference every other year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's even years, and it moves around the country. So it was in San Diego last uh, last year. Two years before that, I think it was in Florida. We were in, uh, invited there as well. I think it was in Chicago. But uh, WFS is, it has been involved in that for um, probably the last six years. Oh, that's good. I would think that Smart is too, and I don't know. Maybe I'll ask them when I have them yeah, on again. Hmm. Very, very good. It's really good outreach. So again, we're talking to. Oh, we have a caller here. So we have somebody calling in. Let's take the call. Say, hi. Can I have your name, please? Yes, my name is Julie. Hi, Julie. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well, thank you. We have a question. My, for, um Yes, of course. Um, for several years, moderator for WFS, and then I got into a relationship which was very self-destructive. And I'm just wondering what the tools are that WFS can help somebody like me to get back on the track. I missed the first part of your question. The okay. audio cut out on me. Okay, Laura. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, I was a certified moderator for WFS for several years back in the early 2000s. Uh-huh. 
And I got into a very dysfunctional and destructive relationship, which ultimately led me back to drinking again. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering what the tools are that you can provide to get me out of that state again, mm. to get back on the track. Mm. Well, I'm really sorry that um, you've had a setback in your recovery, but since you know that you have been successful before right. with Women for Sobriety. Like seven, yeah, in seven years, I spent about five years as a certified moderator, and I did a lot of outreach mm-hmm. here in Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet I feel like I'm just actually worse off now before I joined. Well, I think that's not unusual when we relapse to feel like we've lost something more right. because right. you know you know what you're missing. Self-respect, exactly. Exactly. Um, my, my daily practice. Well, and that's and, exactly um, what I would suggest you start with is your daily practice, you know, your 15 right. minutes and reading the program booklet again and, right. you, know, you know, kind of starting from scratch. Um, okay. To, to see what what speaks to you now, um, because right. you, know, you know you know the program well enough to know that you your entry in back into it can, can come from any direction. Exactly. So you I know, have maybe infant become sober again, but I just can't help using alcohol as medicating these feelings of mm. no self worth, mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. of marginalization, and these feelings of. Uh, just having sustained a seven-year marriage that actually, I think, ate away at my sobriety. Mm-hmm. And um, now that I'm out of that relationship, I'm just trying to get back on my feet again. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, how to get there again because it seems so easy for me at the very beginning, right. but now it seems yeah. very difficult. And well, you know, sometimes it's... Difficult. it's- it's never as easy as the first time, so, you know, no matter how hard that is. I think that the first time is always um, ends up being the, the easiest. Um, have you okay. joined our online community, Julie? Yes, I did again about six months ago. Okay. I can't say that I've been sober ever since. I have not. I've, I've relapsed okay. back into would... medicating my feelings of mm-hmm. unself-worth and my feelings of being very marginalized and objectified in, in, a, in a very bad marriage. And it, in fact, my husband, um, who I'm now separated from, as soon as I moved into his home, um, my my strength just seemed to diminish dramatically. Mm-hmm. And I had found great strength prior to that. So I just, well, you know. uh, I want to jump in, Julie. I want to just mm-hmm. say that I, I okay. can feel your pain. Like the people in the chat room can feel your pain. Um, okay. I want to say you're you're not alone. That you, uh, I can just feel you, and that no one's judging you here. And that when you, when you, I'd like to even not call it relapse. And you, you drank, you drank. Um, that there is a way, and that you can find maybe a, a therapist, a really good um, addiction therapist that. It's not going to take you down a twelve-step route. I mean, there's Laura Tompkins, or somebody well, who's that. If you maybe some therapy. Unfortunately, I, mean, I yeah. got a DUI last December, 
Okay. And I'm go I'm having to go into a program, but they require twelve steps self help. And that's what? what I was trying to combat when I was exactly when I was um you know, in WFS, um, everything was much, much more stable and much more um positive based reinforcement as opposed to relinquishing your power over anything and AA just and to be forced to go back into the AA program for the six sessions that I have to go in for my DUI just seems to be counterproductive because the only time I ever felt like drinking when I was sober for that long stretch of period was after I went to an AA meeting. Mm -hmm. So that sounds kind of... Now, well, is you there are, you, any possibility of you getting uh, to a WFS meeting instead of AA well, with your? Well, of course I can go to the AA meetings. I've got many of them around me, but I just haven't seemed to find a WFS, you know, uh, certified moderator around here who can certainly help me the way I helped dozens of women for the many years that I was a certified moderator. Um. So, hmm. You can drop me an email because there we, there are um, meetings in Orange County, so That's I should good. I was I, I can provider for so many years. I can I can put you in touch with that. So you can email me at right. San Diego WFS at okay. gmail dot com. Okay, and That's and good. and I can put you in touch with somebody local. Um, you know, you know what else, Julie? I had on Claudia Christian a couple weeks ago, and she talks a lot about the Sinclair method. I just put a link, I don't know if you're on, in the chat room, a Vimeo of her talking about how it worked, and there's actually people in the chat room asking about it. Uh, okay. You, it, Claudia Christian wrote a book called Babylon Confidential. It's really a great read as well. Mm-hmm. She likes to, mm-hmm. you know, people to reach out to her as well. She's an actress, but she's also really an activist with this. And um, I think that I, I think this is the biggest problem when I hear that you are made to go here. That I, and yeah, people are so vulnerable and so scared when they get a DUI. It's one of right. my biggest passion projects that I'm working on changing by making a film. But that you have a right, and already in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, you were you know it, it's been proven that it's highly religious, and you have a choice. And you can go back and say, it is not a safe place, I don't feel comfortable, and you can opt to go to WFS or a SMART meeting or an MM meeting. I, I know that SMART and, F, and WFS are certainly approved. And th- the thing is, is that people just have to start asking for it and maybe go on the blogs and you know type in things about how you're feeling about that and maybe start blogging so that you don't feel so isolated. And I, right. I feel like Laura you know, was talking about and, how Jean didn't think the Internet was worth it, but it really is. <laughs> well, and that's, I was going to say, Julie, is, you know, um, if you are already a member of our online site, use that yes, use that as a resource. You know, come and post and, mm-hmm. and... I have been. I have us, been. Tell us what you're, how you're feeling and, and get support from your sisters. Yeah, I'm just looking for a continual sobriety like I had for many years. And WFS was the greatest tool that I'd found just in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just looking. I'm just wondering, you know, how the organization feels about supporting a, a person who was very involved, but yet um, now feels very kind of isolated. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm really sorry that that you're feeling isolated. Um, but we, as you know, have no judgment 
whatsoever. So the fact that you were a moderator and, you know, mm-hmm. are are not now, I mean, there's no, that's no bar to your coming back as a member, if that's the kind of thing that you're that you're concerned about. Well, um, well it worked the first time. I'm just hoping this will work for me the second time because I know I do have to have, you know, abstinence and a continual sobriety again. But I'm just kind of reaching out for options right now that go beyond AA because I just can't even stand to sit in those rooms and be next to people who have been smoking and, and regurgitating all the negativity, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, with Jean's statements, it's about looking the forward path. and removing right. the path. And that worked for me the first time, but I think the this, this second time is harder in that there's, there's a divorce and there's um, just water under the bridge, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it's not easy. When you're talking about the relationship ending, that's really, really hard. I went through a really hard divorce. I have a site called leavingaa.com, and there's a lot of bloggers there that you know either are leaving or thinking about leaving who want support, and there's chatting there. So, you know, there's there's you have you can go to your WFS and get in the chat room, and uh, go in you know go on the blogs. Leaving A is a good one, and um, you know I want to if you want to contact me, you can message me on my radio show or uh, at makeaasafer.com. It doesn't make any sense anymore. Make a safer. I have to change that Gmail, but um, but you can message me here. Uh, I want to thank you for calling in, and I I just. You just hang in there and um, reach out to these other support groups that are there for yourself. And, well, thank you. And, much. Julie, you know, the the skills you learned and the tools you had for those seven years, you still have. Mm-hmm. You know, you just need to um, find them within yourself again. So, you know, you didn't lose what you had um, just because you returned to drinking for um, for a while. Um, those tools are still there and are still um, just as useful for you. And, and okay. Julie, some of the some of the bloggers are just reminding me uh, in the chat room about Stanton Peel's work. Have you ever read Stanton Peel? No, I was always into Jean's work and um, very focused on um, her approach, mm-hmm. which I respect immensely and um, her fortitude. But uh, I just don't feel that I'm at a point where I can regain that strength. You can. And, uh, you can do it. Oh, I, I believe in you. Girl, I believe in you. I. you. If you go onto these sites and you look at some of these other books, uh, you know, I'm telling you, every it, there's so many other great books that uh, this one coming out, uh, Amy Lee Coy's book, From Death to White Part, somebody who was in and out of rehab, and AA for 20 years, drinking, you know, a, a big bottle of hard liquor every day, you know, and it stopped drinking like that um, on her own. So uh, I want to thank you for calling in. We have about a minute left to finish, finish up okay. the show, Julie. But you, you just Thanks. hang in there and go find some books and other books and blog along with us. You're not alone, okay? Okay. Well, thank you very much, ladies. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, Thanks for calling, welcome. Julie. You're welcome. Okay. okay. Good night. Okay. Well, we're going to finish up this show, Laura. I want to thank you so much for uh, for being on. We were here with Laura Makey from Women for Sobriety, and I, it was a good show. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks again, Monica. I appreciate oh. being asked back. Oh, you're welcome. We'll see you again soon. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good night. So, listeners, we're going to have another week. Uh, next week, we're going to have on uh, Gabrielle Glaser 
who wrote, she's a journalist, and she wrote the book, Her Best Kept Secret. And we are going to have her on next week. The book is going to be available July 3rd, and it's been a great night. And I just want to send a hello out again to Julie, who called in, that there's uh, go to leavingaa.com, Peel, and who else? There's so many. uh, Amy Lee Coy, and look up Laura Tompkins. She's a great addiction therapist. Good night, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.